Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years, sometimes single stories, sometimes whole episodes. Keep in mind that years ago, people might have worded things differently than they would today. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, a story that Joe LaTrulio first shared on the podcast in September of 2014. Here's Joe now with a story we call A Shot in the Dark. I grew up down in South uh, Florida. I was born in New York. I moved down to Florida when I was five years old. My time in New York when I was five or under was very innocent and very fun. I was playing in the snow uh, in Ozone Park and I felt very safe there. I would go down to Florida and it's even, you know, more of a Disneyland. And, you know, I grew up watching movies of the 70s, many of which took place in New York. So New York in the 70s was a very, very rough, risky dangerous place. The Taking of Pelham 123 was one of my favorite movies. And, you know, these guys were just tough and, you know, looked like they could bite the head off a chicken and not think anything of it, you know? Both the cops and the criminals. Like, the, all the criminals seemed to be, like, cool black guys in leather like jackets, and then all the cops were, like, Italian-Irish or, you know, in the case of Taking of Pelham 123, Walter Matthau. Do I look like I'm kidding? 
This was the image I had of the rough and tough New York of the 70s. Well, that stayed with me. I go to New York uh, to go to college at NYU. You know, not that I really believe that that's the case with cops and, and criminals in New York, but that image, that idea of this dangerous place was still in my head. You know, it was a place that was filled with garbage, and in particular Times Square, with its porno theaters and its, uh, the pimps and the, and the muggers that would come out and be, hey man, you know, it was really, really sketchy. So, here I am, at like, I guess, 22, walking up 6th Avenue towards Times Square at three in the morning after a night of drinking. I was still fairly new to walking the streets of New York that late, that inebriated. I I, I wasn't really on edge because I was so drunk. I just was in my own head thinking about whatever had happened to me just, you know, at the bar or whatever. There's not a lot of people out on the street. There's a few stragglers, certainly no one that looks like me. I'm getting closer to Times Square, and I realize that, you know, I should maybe keep my eyes open. This could be somewhat dangerous. Be careful, Joe. Be careful, Joe. The first thing I remember was being terrified that I was shot. It hurt. It was sharp, stinging pain. And it totally took me by surprise. And I screamed. I don't even remember hearing it. I just know that I did it because I felt not just my head, but this gasp and sound of air escape me. Suddenly, it's all happening. The nightmare of being caught in Times Square, in a dangerous environment, finally was coming to fruition. And I immediately went to my head, grabbed my head to wait to feel the blood and brain that was going to be pouring out of my head. It was not either of those things. I came down with a handful of wet uh, paper, toilet paper. Of wet, a wad of wet toilet paper was now in my hand. Now, now remember, this is all happening very quickly, so I think I'm shot. I'm not shot. It's toilet paper. I look up. A van is driving away. Um, that clearly, you know, whoever was in the van or a group of ruffians that was in the van had, you know, thrown a wet wad of toilet paper at my head and were presently laughing as they zoomed north on 6th Avenue at the terror that they instilled on this young guy. Okay, so hit, fear, toilet paper, who, van, anger, felt like I... Anger at, like, I was afraid from this. Someone's, they've got to be stopped. I've got to stop them. They, I have to report them. I just felt so powerless and vulnerable at that moment and stupid because I knew this was a possibility that I might be hurt if I'm going to be walking inebriated through Times Square. So there were this mix of all these emotions I felt someone needed to be held accountable for. 
because I didn't do this, other than the mistake of walking to Times Square, drunk, at 3 a.m. So I realized that the first person that I had to talk to was a person of authority, i.e. a police officer that was going to help me in my time of need. There were none around immediately. It was the classic, where's the cop when you need one? And I was determined to find one. And so I started running, like just to corners to look down cross streets to see if I saw any cops anywhere and continued up, you know, 6th Avenue and was looking around. And finally, I saw a parked police car. And this wave of excitement kind of filled me because I, I, I said to myself, they're going to pay. They're going to go. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to tell the cops what happened. They're going to say right on it and they're going to peel out and they're going to chase the van. So I approached the, the cop car and they're sitting in the car and I, and I went up and, I, and I, I'm kind of out of breath because I've been running. So I'm out of breath. I'm sweating a little bit. The cops are just looking at me. They don't seem to be concerned at all about anything. They're just kind of just looking at me. Well, I come in a ball of energy and I say, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. Um, I was just uh, assaulted on uh, 6th Avenue. I was, I was walking down the street and uh, this van came by. And as I'm describing to the cop what exactly happened, it dawned on me how embarrassing the punchline of this story was going to be. The conclusion of this story was going to be to these cops, these tough cops, the guys from the 70s movies. They, they're tough and they, there's no bullshit and they chomp cigars and they and how they were going to react when I told them what I got hit with. But at this point, it's kind of just pouring out of me because it's cathartic at this point and I'm still angry and scared and I want revenge. And so I continued with the story and I said, and I was walking up 6th Avenue and, uh, and, and suddenly this van goes by and, and I get hit with a, 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 a wad of wet toilet paper. In the head. In the head. Right in the head. There's about... <laughs> There's about 10 seconds of silence. A good chunk of them just staring at me. Okay? And then finally, in like, right at a central casting, uh, you know, New York cop, the guy goes... Y'all right? <laughs> and I, just trying to save face, just like, yeah, no, um, no, I'm good. Like, I'm, my, my ear's red. And it's just funny. I mean, that cop, I'll never forget the kind of deadpan look and just the staring. Just the timing was like perfect. Y'all right? Just, oh, it really put me in my place. <laughs> in a way that made me self-examine what my behavior and why I was getting all hyped up and not in a way that he was at all hostile or like 
discounting it really. It was just, it was just kind of like a mirror. Like, take a look. I, you're, you're gonna make it. What do you think? You think you can? I think you could probably make it. <laughs> That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.